Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Molly Wood, and welcome back to Everybody in the Pool, the podcast for the climate economy. We're diving deep into the climate crisis and coming up with solutions. I am super excited about today's guest because he's a serial entrepreneur in the climate space who's making solutions that are interesting, unexpected, and just like cool. And that's good because you want people to aspire to want to adopt impactful climate solutions, not just do it because they have to. And in this case, it's not a very sexy problem, but it is a big one. Hi, I'm I'm Matt Rogers, uh, founder and CEO at Mill. I'm working on getting rid of food waste. So Mill is basically the fanciest food composter kitchen appliance ever. You put your food waste in it. It processes the waste down into basically like dried up odorless dirt that you mail back to them every month or so. And they upcycle it into chicken feed. Pricing varies depending on whether you want to pay annually or not, but it works out to just a hair over a dollar a day for the bin and the mail service. But more on Mill in a minute. See, Matt Rogers learned to make innately cool products at the temple of such things. He was at Apple for 10 years working on the iPod, five generations of iPhones, and the very first iPad before he went on to co-found Nest. You know, the smart connected thermostat, which... I thought was almost an accidentally impactful climate solution, but it turns out that was his plan all along. The whole reason why I started Nest way back in 2010 was because of climate change. It was, okay. And I've actually kind of built my whole career on areas of climate that people overlook. And when, when I started Nest back in 2010, the kind of astonishing aha fact that kind of jumped out that was the whole impetus behind starting the company was that heating and cooling was responsible for half of home's energy. So it was like meaningful percentage of our emissions, of our energy use, and we had these dumb white plastic boxes on the wall that no one could program. Mm-hmm. And that just didn't make sense to me, especially coming from Apple at the time. Yep. And the parallels to what we're doing at Mill are pretty obvious, actually. Um, how so? Yeah, so uh, Mill is an end-to-end food recycling service. Mm-hmm. So from your kitchen counter all the way back to the farm. Uh, and we do everything in between. And yeah, you know, like thinking about it, like taking a step back, like no one likes waste. Like no one's happy with trash. Like there's no like pro waste lobby out there. <laughs> it's one of those things that we kind of accepted and we take for granted that we have to live with, but we don't. And we built Mill as a way to build a new system. Mm-hmm. Can we build a system that is better, easier, more user friendly, odorless? And just like easier for our way of life, that's also better for the planet. Mm -hmm. And going back to the Nest example, people bought the Nest thermostat because it was cool, because it looked good, because they'd want to have it on their wall, like because their friends told them about it. But also, you feel really good that you'd save energy. So it has this kind of rational and emotional component to it. It Looks good. I feel good about it. I'm doing the right thing, but I'm, I'm saving money. I'm saving energy. And... 
the parallels to what we're doing in waste are pretty clear. Yep. So then tell me about the evolution of what was the aha moment about food waste and waste in particular that made you go, okay, mill is the solution. Sort of a similarly maybe hidden climate cost for people. Yeah. So before we started mill, I was working as a climate investor and philanthropist doing grant making and investing in climate, looking for other overlooked solutions. And I, I, I made a bunch of investments, helped a lot of new companies get started, started a few not-in-profits in other overlooked areas, and kind of had always been looking for something that was going to change the waste industry. Because again, like if you look at Project Drawdown, that's a really good way of getting into climate. Like, like what, what are the things we have to go do? Right. For those who are not familiar, Project Drawdown is an unbelievably comprehensive book that effectively takes every sector of the economy, ranks it in terms of emissions and mitigation, and basically gives you a list. Like, here's where to start. That's right. And one of the top things on the list is getting rid of food waste. Mm-hmm. And like, as an engineer and designer, I'm like, oh, like, what are the things we need to do that? And did a lot of research, spent a lot of time talking to experts, being professors. And in the kind of the early days of the pandemic in 2020, my co-founder Harry and I would get on the phone or get on the Zoom with a lot of folks who were also stuck at home at the time. It was cool because everyone was available. Like no one's like, oh, I'm on vacation right now. (laughs) So like we were able to talk to a lot of experts. And what we learned is that preventing food waste is a behavior change issue. That actually there are a lot of solutions that are out there. And there are a lot of cities that are making it, you know, accessible to folks. I'm in the Bay Area, like in San Francisco, we have a green bin. Mm -hmm. And what we learned is that even in cities that have green bins, people don't use them. And like, even in the best kind of the the benchmark cities out there, like, you know, Seattle, the San Francisco area, they talk about like 30% participation as like the gold standard. It's pretty bad. Wow. That's bad. So like, Looking at kind of the ecosystem when we were starting, we're like, okay, like behavior change. That's something that we know how to do. Like we make, we make great products. We make great experiences that are really sticky that people love that are better than what came before. So that's, that's what led to the evolution of mill. That's why we have this beautiful bin that goes in a kitchen that you'd actually would want to have that is odorless, that takes weeks to fill up because that's better. Like, that's the kind of stuff that's going to drive behavior change. Like, oh, like it's a trash can. It's easy. You step on the pedal, it opens up. Great. But like all the other stuff is just easier and better. Because that's what's going to make the experience sticky. Because like if it's gross and stinky and you get fruit flies or rats, like no one's doing this thing. Right. It's just not going to happen. And are those the barriers that you find to, to composting in terms of that 20 and 30%? I mean, I know people in my life who like I just have a little Ikea bucket and I empty it every day. And it's not that hard, but people really are resistant to having like food scraps in the kitchen. I mean, just think about my own life. Uh, my wife and I are deep climate evangelists. Like we've dedicated our entire lives to fighting climate change. And we had a countertop pail and we had a fruit fly infestation we could just not get rid of. Yeah. So like I had put, bought this like yellow sticky stuff that goes all around the house to like so hopefully catch those fruit flies. Mm-hmm. Like even like the well, most well-meaning households, like that's a lot of inconvenience. And you know, Harry and I did a bunch of user research and user studies. We talked to people all around the country and like we would talk to folks like in DC or in New York city who are putting food waste in the freezer and once a week walking it down to the farmer's market, because that was the only place that would take it other than the trash, obviously. 
Wow. So like that's a lot of inconvenience. So like thinking about that much inconvenience, like we knew we had to build a new system. Like the existing system is just not going to work. This idea of putting raw growth stuff outside of the curb and then having diesel trucks drive it around and pick it up and then take it somewhere else. That's just like, that's how we did it in the 1800s. Like if we were starting over, would we still do it that way? What is the thing, you know, we've been explaining this, I think a couple times here and there on the show, on this show, but really break it down for us why food waste is such a big problem, why this is the thing to tackle and why it's so high on that project drawdown list. Yes. So, and this is something that I think most folks don't understand. So mm-hmm. when food goes in the trash, it goes to landfill and it just doesn't degrade into dirt. Things get piled on top, landfills are sealed. And when food degrades without oxygen, it degrades anaerobically and creates methane. And methane, as I'm sure everyone knows, is like public enemy number one. It's 80 times more potent than CO2 over the next 20 years in a time when we really need to be urgently stopping warming. So it's it's warming faster. Uh, methane's very, very potent. So the kind of standard in climate science today is food waste is 8 to 10% of global emissions, which is astronomical. That said, recent research, there was actually a, a study published in Nature just a couple weeks ago, because that's, you know, like this is on the kind of forefront of science now that we're studying food waste, that actually it's, it's more like 14 to 16% of emissions. Oof. That's it's super insane. high. And that's that's not just the methane side. That's the whole that's the whole equation. That's the energy and the water it takes to grow the food and transport it and refrigerate it and the grocery stores and the whole whole end-to-end supply chain. The system we've created for food is it's pretty intensive to grow. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lot of work. And then we uh, go ahead and throw out 40% of that food that we grow. Right. And it could, we'll get to this part of the the mill proposition in a minute. It has value. There is a waste-to-value chain. Okay, but first, before I get there, I'm jumping ahead. Describe it. Like, describe the product yes. for us, for people who haven't read about it. It made a huge splash, of course, when it was announced. very exciting, but, you know, not everybody's heard. When the team from Apple and Nest design a trash bin, I, you'd hope it would get some attention. Get some headlines. Yeah. Uh, and, and, actually, <laughs> one, and one of the funniest descriptions I've seen out there was an article just published recently that compared it to a very large version of AirPods. Okay. Which yeah, is really funny. I could see that actually. It is kind of what it looks like. Yeah, it's kind of what it looks like. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a beautiful uh, white steel bin that has a wood veneer top. It has a beautiful stainless steel pedal that you step on and it opens up very elegantly. And you use it like a trash bin. Like you take your dinner plate or your cutting board scraps and you kind of swipe it in there. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where the the normalcy stops. Like once the lid closes, is where all the magic happens. It takes all the food that you put in and dries it and grinds it. So it dehydrates the food, takes the water out. And because food is mostly water, food's like 80% plus water, it gets small and light and shelf stable. So like you think about dried food, dried food lasts forever. You know, like astronauts have dried food, right? Like it's light. You wouldn't want to put wet food up in rockets to to get up to space. Mm -hmm. So it's cool. It's light. It's shelf stable. It doesn't go bad. It doesn't smell. It takes weeks to fill up. So because it's dry, you could go and fill it up again, and it's going to cook down the next day. Every day you wake up in the morning, and it's empty again. So like it takes weeks to fill up. So at the end of weeks, you take the bin, and you dump it into one of the boxes we provide, and you can send it back to us. The post office is going to come pick it up from your doorstep because it's not gross. You don't need to run a garbage truck anymore. Wow. You literally put this in a box, and we will pick it up. And 
Then we get it back to us to sort it, sift it, clean it, pasteurize it to then feed chickens, to keep it as food, as you say. Yeah. So this is the, I feel like this is the double unlock because presumably the way we are currently feeding chickens is to like create all new food or something really carbon intensive and probably gross. Yes. About 30% of all arable land on earth are used to grow food for livestock. Wow. So talk about like land, water, resources, time, labor, etc. It is a phenomenal amount that we spend as a society, as a planet, to grow wheat, corn, soy, to then feed our animals. Mm-hmm. And for a poultry farmer, for a chicken farmer, if they look at their emissions, 60% of their emissions is the feed that they buy. You know, the, the rest is what happens on the farm, but 60% is the feed that they're buying. So by buying our new uh, recycled feed, they're actually buying a carbon-negative feed ingredient that kind of neutralizes all the other emissions from the feed that they bought otherwise. Hmm. Okay, so let's break down some of the other aspects of it. It is a subscription pricing service that includes the ship back for chicken feed, right? Right. It's, it's, it's an all-included service. So okay. the bin is included, shipping is included, any replacement charcoal filters. It has a charcoal filter built in the product to make sure there are no smells. Those are all included support, warranty, everything you need to run this service is included in that kind of monthly fee. What can go in mill and what cannot? This is Let's get like a little bit nuts and bolts here. You could put anything that you can eat in the mill. Okay. Meat, coffee grounds, all of it. All food. Meat, dairy, coffee grounds, banana peels, avocado pits. Throw it all in there. I, the only food you can't put in there is like a lamb shank, like a really thick bone of like beef or lamb. Like the bone probably shouldn't go in there, but like chicken bones, fish bones, all okay. Literally all food could go in this. Mm -hmm. You can also, side note, you could also put the output of your mill device in your green bin if you have it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you have a green bin, mill food grounds could go into it. If you're a composter, if if you've got a backyard pile or a tumbler, Mm -hmm. this could go in your tumbler. And actually, if you have chickens, actually like 9% of Americans have chickens at home, you could feed this to your chickens too. I have, I read a whole thing about, I think in Finland, like they gave everybody chickens during the pandemic and it had this sort of unexpected side effect of reducing food waste by a truly astonishing amount. It's like a double whammy. This is how things used to work. Yeah. This is how things used to work. Yeah. In like pre-urban society, you know, we had chickens, we had pigs and what we didn't eat would go to feed them. Like we didn't have food waste. And you know, this is really a phenomenon of our like ultra industrial and urban society. Mm-hmm. We've made it really hard otherwise. So yeah, exactly. Like if you've got backyard chickens or you're, or you're a gardener, like you could totally use this stuff at home too. Got it. And then who, like, who are the chicken farmers? Like who's buying it? <laughs> and how did you make those deals? Was it like lots of chicken field trips? I just want to know everything. Oh my gosh. Uh, there were a lot of chicken field trips, actually. Uh, our first farmer is in the Pacific Northwest and runs like a mid-sized farm a lot of free range birds. And actually it's cool is like that their farm looks a lot like the photos that we took for our marketing. It's like one of those idyllic farms where the chickens are running around. Like it's a really good farm partner and they're excited because yeah, again, like they're looking to decarbonize their operations and feed is a key component to that. Right. What is making them look to decarbonize their operations? Like are there starting to be requirements and and reasons that this is a, a business pressure that will, you know, I'm just sort of thinking about scale 
and how much chicken feed could potentially be replaced and food waste could be replaced and what are the levers that make that necessary? More and more so these days, consumers want climate smart solutions. Mm -hmm. And when they're in the grocery store and they see a, a carton of eggs that says climate neutral versus the one that doesn't, they'll buy the one that says carbon neutral or climate positive or climate smart. Folks are really interested in doing the right thing, especially if it's the same price. In this case, like we were going to throw the food away, mm -hmm. right? So like, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of value to that. And uh, it'd be a shame to throw that food away. Much, much better to recover it. Yep. Yeah, but consumers are asking for it. Like this is, this is what's going to drive the change. Like government regulations are actually more of a lagging indicator of something that's already existing and working. Right. And that actually is also part of Mill's theory of change that, yes, like we're going direct to consumer and building a new service for consumers at home. But that is going to drive systems change because if we're demonstrating that this is working in thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of homes, then cities can say, oh, this is what we should be doing too. Okay, time for a quick break. When we come back, more on how a drop becomes a flood that road toward mass adoption. Also, how Matt became a climate entrepreneur in the first place after all that time at Apple. And the thing you probably want to know, which is how sustainable the mill device really is. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Everybody in the Pool. I'm talking with Matt Rogers, the co-founder of the Nest Smart Thermostat and now co-founder of Mill, which is taking on food waste at home for now. I sort of left us hanging on that question, though, of mass adoption. So is the hope that Mill will start to be the, it will be the aspirational part of this, and then it could be something that municipalities start to do? And like, if look, if you can afford it, you have the pretty in-home version, but the value is so clear that there becomes sort of a mass behavior change. Yes, exactly. So we're starting to build this new system. Mm -hmm. And the parallels to what we did at Nest are, are pretty clear. So actually, I'll draw the, the parallel. So at Nest, we started direct-to-consumer with a premium expensive product that people said, oh my gosh, $250 for a thermostat. And over time, as we proved the model, and as we showed we saved energy, more and more energy companies would say, hey, like, we're going to give you a rebate for Nest Thermostat to save energy and to be part of the smart grid and to turn down when energy is really expensive. And now, like in most cities and regions in the country, you can get a Nest for almost free between the rebates and the incentives, energy companies, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So like, what we're doing with Mill is we're building that consumer service that is awesome and better, better for you and better for the planet. And going to prove to our cities, to our municipalities, that this is better than what we're doing before. And we've actually even started a few of those pilots already. We've got a pilot going in Tacoma, Washington right now. And Tacoma's a city that's been doing everything right. They have a green bin for food waste. And we're already seeing that our Tacoma pilot participants are participating more than what came before. Half of the folks in our, our pilot didn't even use their green bin before. At all. 
at all. Wow. They're, they're, first time they're ever using a food recycling service is now with Mill. And they've had a green bin for 10 years. And that, that I think, is a really important thing to note because I uh, sometimes when I talk about these solutions, you know, I am a big believer, again, in adoption driving mass change. And adoption starts expensive. And also the knock on some solutions like this is like, well, okay, that's great. This is what rich people can do. And it won't it won't become a mass solution or can't. The- you're, you're spot on. This is this is where you start. And I was an early adopter of electric vehicles. I had a Tesla Roadster mm-hmm. that was, God, like $110,000, a crazy amount of money at the time. And it didn't have a lot of range. And it didn't have brakes that worked when the battery was fully charged. Fun. And, you know, it's one of those <laughs> things like, you know, like, but I, I, I wanted a great new EV that was a better car than what I had. And now you could buy an EV for $30,000. And they're our rebates and all these other things that help support that growth. But, you know, someone's got to get the ball started and prove the technology works. You know, the same is true in solar. Solar used to be so expensive. Mm -hmm. So, so expensive. And now, like, you'd be foolish to not have solar. Like, you know, solar is cheaper. Yeah. How did you... You mentioned at the top that you and your wife have been longtime climate evangelists. How did you... Talk to me about your journey. Like, how did you come to this and what got you so passionate about it? Oh, man. Uh, uh, my wife and I have been working on this together a really long time. My wife and I even campaigned for Al Gore back in 2000. Wow. So like, like we've been doing this together a really long time. Yeah. And, and we weren't married then. That was, that was, that was, we were still kids, actually. But, you know, I, like, honestly, like, Al Gore and The Inconvenient Truth was a huge inspiration for, for me and for us. It's one of the things that got me off my butt to start Nest. I was working at Apple at the time, building, you know, the biggest products in humanity, like the iPhone. And left to take a bet on a thermostat. Yeah. Like, we don't have a lot of time. And this is one where, you know, there's a lot of doom and gloom out there of like, hey, like, we've got nine years left to really turn the tide here. And I'm an optimist. I think we really can do it. And But it's going to take motivated folks who are spending their time, their money, their energy to push towards more solutions out there. And... You know, I've I've dedicated my life to do it. It's both like my my business. It's also what I do in my personal life. It's it's like voting. You just, you got to do it. And if everyone does it, it's really going to matter. And that's what ends up moving the needle for governments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not for nothing, you also have to vote people for climate forward candidates for crying out loud. That's right. It matters. And then finally, there's this question of what is actually sustainable. Like if everybody buys a new gadget and that gadget involves mailing stuff back and forth, is it really better? First of all, it's a good thing to note that unlike even a service like Ridwell, which we talked about a few weeks back, the mail pickup is not a different delivery schedule. It's regular old USPS, which is already coming to your house rain or shine. And says Matt, We also have an LCA, our lifecycle analysis. So if you go to mill.com slash LCA, you can see and learn that a mill household can save a half a ton of emissions per year. So like, even with the shipping and the manufacturing and the energy it uses, this is a very carbon negative process and it's very good for the planet. And sometimes it's a little counterintuitive, like, oh, like, how can it possibly be good to put my food grounds in a box and have someone come pick it up in the mail? It's like, it's that important to keep it out of the trash. 
If you're interested, you can find Mill at mill.com. Matt says there's a pretty good story in how they got that amazing domain, so we'll have to have him back to hear that. There's also a competitor called Lomi, spelled L-O-M-I, which processes food overnight, and then you take that to your own compost bin or your yard or whatever. That's $499 without a monthly subscription or $399 plus $20 a month to keep filters and things coming. We'll have a couple of comparison articles in the related links. But if nothing else, let the mind-blowing awareness of how big a carbon emitter food waste is inspire you to waste less food. Or maybe get a little Ikea bin for the counter. Or maybe some chickens. This is a huge action you can take to make a big difference, and it's something that's part of your life mm, two, three, four times a day. Food. Eating. Pay attention. All right, that's it for everybody in the pool. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. You can find my newsletter at mollywood.co and email your thoughts, reactions, and ideas to in at everybodyinthepool.com. And remember, together, we can get this done. See you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.